Manila is the consummate big city, home to over 15 million people all jammed together. Yet, Filipinos don't seem to mind. They're quiet and courteous, with the exception of the constant honking of horns. More as a friendly hello than the typical cantankerous American honk. It is in this setting where we pick up with our first on-mission guest, Rico Villanueva. We are very communal, but I think that's one thing that the West can learn from us, that sense of dependence, you know, that we are not in control. And the COVID has made that obvious and our situation right now. You know, My name is Angel Torero. I want to welcome you to On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham. What can Christians in Indiana learn from Christians in Indonesia? How can church leaders in Mumbai equip pastors in Miami, which is where I live and serve? On this podcast, we listen in on conversations between Chris Wright and church leaders in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, where my family has their roots. We hope you discover how much wisdom the church in the West has to gain from their sisters and brothers in villages and towns around the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Langham Partnership, a ministry founded by John Stott, to equip church leaders in the majority world. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham and explore more resources from global church leaders. Our host is Dr. Christopher J.H. Wright, known to many as Chris Wright, a respected theologian and award-winning author of more than 30 books, including critically acclaimed The Mission of God, Unlocking the Bible's Grand Narrative. When he's not writing books, Chris serves as International Ministries Director for Langham. Today, we take it to the Philippines in Chris's conversation with Rico Villanueva. Rico's a Filipino pastor, seminary professor, and author. From his home in Manila, he's written extensively on lament, so relevant for his nation that has a history of devastating natural disasters, extreme poverty, and colonization, and relevant for you today wherever you are. This year, 2020, has given us all reason to cry out, why God? May their conversation teach us all how to walk faithfully through hard things. Welcome to On Mission. I'm Chris Wright. And today I have the honor and privilege of talking with Dr. Rico Villanueva from the Philippines. Rico, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you as well for inviting me. Now, before we talk about where you are and where you're currently serving, what actually is your, your job title and how would you describe what you do? Right. Oh, so I'm now presently the regional commissioning editor for Langham Publishing. So Langham has three ministries. One of them is publishing or literature. So I'm the commissioning editor in Asia. I'm also the scholar care coordinator for current Langham scholars. Mm. Uh, so in Langham literature, I'm basically uh, the one in charge of publications uh, for Asia. So I try to uh, promote, evaluate evangelical, contextual uh, uh, books, materials, and uh, encourage local, publish- local publishers and writers mm. So how do you do theology? How do you write biblical studies, you know, from Asia? So that's, 
That's where I, I, I focus on at the moment. You're also a Langham scholar and therefore a, a, a biblical scholar, and so you are a teacher. So tell us a little bit about the, the seminary where you do some of your teaching wearing one of your hats. And, and also, yes. in the same way, do you see theological education as a dimension of the mission of the church and of your own personal mission? Yes. So I'm teaching in uh, Asia Graduate School of Theology. You know, we don't have a lot of uh, organizations or schools here which offers PhD yet. But mm-hmm. Asia Graduate School of Theology is one of them, and I teach biblical studies there. So we have uh, uh, Asian, you know, Asian scholars all over from India, Korea, Vietnam, who go to the Philippines to to study. And uh, the, the the good thing about this uh, particular study is that it is the emphasis is is on contextual reading, you know, of the text. So how do you see the relevance of your text to what you're go- the bible to what you're experiencing yeah. let's let's go to where you live and work now there in manila and the philippines i've visited the philippines myself a few times and one of the yeah. perhaps surprising things for people is that it is an asian country and yet it's also a catholic a roman catholic country predominantly uh, religiously yes. which is quite unusual mm-hmm. Obviously, in Asia, where the predominant religions are, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, and so on, and Islam. So, mm-hmm. how has that happened? How has the Philippines ended up as a country with a predominantly Roman Catholic uh, culture? Yeah, uh, the we have been under the Spaniards for um, more than three hundred years, from fifteen twenty one until the end of the almost before the 20th centuries. For, that's the reason why uh, the Philippines has become a predominantly Catholic uh, uh, country. Yeah. Yes. So mm. what impact do you think does that have? I mean, those hundreds of years of being a Spanish colony on the culture and mentality uh, of the Philippines? For some reasons, uh, even though... Christianity as a religion came along with the colonial power. There's something about the story of Jesus that uh, captured the imagination, the Philippine imagination, that somehow even our forefathers welcome, you know, uh, welcome Jesus in a way. So the crucified Christ is the most popular image of Jesus because I think it, it's because it resonates with our experience. So even though the Spaniards were our enemies, Jesus became one with us in our sufferings. And that is why uh, we have embraced Christianity, I think, because mm. of that. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I think, has had an influence on you personally, because later we'll discuss how your, your own thinking and writing has been very much influenced by the theme of lament and a, yes. a, and a Christian response to suffering, which is clearly got to be governed by the Lord Jesus Christ and, and his crucifixion. So, yes. Yeah. But now coming, obviously, yes, a predominantly Catholic culture, but there are strong evangelical, Protestant evangelical churches and denominations in the country. So when did that start and how, how has that come about? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, it also came 
with the colonial power because in the 19 at the end of the 1900s we actually defeated the Spaniards but then we thought we were already free but something happened you know we, we just changed masters as it were and the Americans came and from uh, from the 1900s onwards up to about 40 years we have been under them and that's where and that's when and how the Protestant Christianity came to us, but it's it's interesting because at that point, and I was reading here John Stott uh, in his book, issues of uh, confronting us today or something like that. He issues issues facing Christians today. Yes, thank you. Issues facing Christians today, where he 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 uh, wrote about evangelicalism in its wider. Uh, wider perspective embracing both uh, evangelism and social justice but it seems that the protestant that came here early on uh, came through that process of change to the point that uh, they have emphasized only the personal salvation and so on so the protestantism came uh, at that point and then influenced us mm. from then on how can we even doubt, you know, the social dimension, the social justice within the gospel itself, when the very God that we worship uh, considers the issues of righteousness and justice? Of course, the, the words righteousness and justice is a term which, which always occur in the Old Testament together, these two words, and they're often used as action words, and they are actions on behalf of the poor, so that the the trio, you know, the uh, orphan, the stranger, and the fatherless. These three, it's, it's always the least in the government, you know, how, not the government, but in all places, the, the least in a country, in a place, in a community, they are God's priority. And so even when Jesus would come, I mean, he says in some, Matthew 25, one of the things that he will ask us is what we did, isn't it? That's what he would expect. Whatever you did, to one of the least of these uh, brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's one thing that we are missing when we talk about missions. But I think that's what this situation now has brought into the fore, this mm-hmm. COVID. Mm-hmm. It has made the, the issues like injustice, you know, poverty, important in, in the whole world now that, you know, Christians should... Uh, pay attention to this as as part, really, of our mission. Now, you mentioned the fact that you've been a a student of the Psalms for many, many years. Perhaps your best-known book, I know you've done several, but the one that you've written called It's Okay to Be Not Okay, which is a a popular-level book on the Psalms of Lament. And I I just wonder if I could read the titles of your chapter, um, the the different chapters of the book. Um, (laughs) They're called, It's Okay to Be Down, It's Okay to Be Sad, It's Okay to Cry, It's Okay to Be Afraid, It's Okay to Struggle, It's Okay to Be Angry, It's Okay to Question God, It's Okay to Fail. (laughs) I mean, is it? I mean, this sounds like a pretty depressing book. So, uh, I mean, aren't, aren't, aren't we supposed to be happy and victorious all the time? What, what are you trying to do in a book with those sort of titles? Yeah, uh, the tendency in evangelical Christianity is to uh, ignore or even deny these not-okay experiences. Uh, so we would, they would say, you know, you have Christ, 
and he's resurrection resurrected you know so why are you why are you down you should be okay but actually uh that's what min, many of the evangelicals miss actually mm -hmm. the, the important teaching of the lament psalms mm -hmm. which was affirmed actually of course by jesus our lord himself when he prayed the lament mm -hmm. so i would often say that as christians we're still humans and I think this is an important message, especially now during the time of the pandemic, you know, that, that uh, because there's, there is a lot of pressure for Christians to think, to feel, to expect that since we are with the Lord, that we should always be joyful when we wake up in the morning you know, yeah, yeah. and we are serving the Lord. Yeah. But what if it's, it's not the case? Uh, yeah, we are down. So I, so in this book, I try to affirm there that that there's also the biblical teaching. You know, even Jesus was down. You know, in Gethsemane, he admitted, "My soul, you know, is very sorrowful to the point of death." You know, like very sorrowful. It's not just sorrowful, and of course, depression is also tied not just to sorrow, but the kind of loneliness that is very deep. You know, mm -hmm. and so I also talk about depression, for example, in the Psalms. And my recent book, uh, Chris, is entitled, Lord, I'm Depressed, you know, and <laughs> of course I'm smiling, but, yeah. but that also is part of my journey. I, I wrote that because before the pandemic came, I didn't know that mm -hmm. the pandemic would come this year, but that was, that came out, I think, the beginning of this. So it's a continuation of this not okay book, you know, or it's not, it's okay to be not okay. <laughs> Obviously, the, uh, the pandemic has had a, a major impact all over the world and uh, yes. doubtless also in the Philippines. But it's not the only thing to have hit the Philippines recently, is it? Because yeah. uh, even over these past few years, there have been some absolutely devastating hurricanes. Um, and, and you've reflected on that. And, and it'd be just interesting to know how, how has the church in the Philippines and the, the seminary that you teach at and so on, how have they been able to respond to some of these disasters, especially the huge loss of life and property that happened in the hurricanes, and then more recently in this pandemic, we we experience this on a regular basis yeah. in mm -hmm. different parts of the Philippines. So, the the most destructive one was in 2013 in by Yolanda typhoon called Haiyan, and that's where uh, the ch the seminaries, you know, the churches were able to, uh, I think, develop. Uh, more vigorous response, not only in terms of praying, but also sending people there as uh, counselors, you know, spiritual guide, you know, and giving uh, financial help or helping the people get up, you know. And, and I think that's also where uh, the lament became a very important resource because we would, you know, like the seminary, Asian theological seminary, some of the, uh, the faculty there would go to the places there and they would teach the importance of and the validity of lament, you know. And and you would be surprised, even the pastors there, you know, don't know how to lament. It's, it's, it's like even in the midst of all of these happenings, you should always praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. You are not allowed to pour out your lament. I remember uh, a reflection you had during the, the hurricane Taya, um, um, Hainan of a little yes. girl uh, yes. who was rescued uh, in the midst of the storm from you know a flooding basement and was picked up and right. who cried out the name of Jesus 
uh, also with Tampo, as if she was both crying out to Jesus, protesting to Jesus and praying to Jesus all at the same time. Would you like to tell us that story? Because it really moved me. I thought, wow, there's 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 a deep theology here coming in on, in the mouth yeah. of the child. Yeah, Chris, that that's uh, that happened in Tacloban when the typhoon Yolanda came, and a lot of people died there. But in this basement, there's this this, this little girl who was blessed to be to be saved. But as she narrated later, she prayed this really small prayer, Jesus. Tama na po, you know, like Jesus enough, mm. and, and that prayer was very, very profound because first, she's acknowledging that this this uh, tragedy came or caused by Jesus, mm. you know, like a punishment, but also he she still calls Jesus as the one who could, you know. Be gracious enough, you know, mercy. Please, enough, Lord. Mm. It's a very precious story, yes. <clears throat> and of course, now, as well as uh, the typhoons, the uh, pandemic, yeah. the political <clears throat> situation in the Philippines is uh, pretty alarming as well. Uh, and yeah. Christians respond to that political situation <clears throat> and uh, of President Duterte and so on in different ways. Do, do you want <clears throat> to talk about that with us at all? Yeah, thank you, Chris, for mentioning that. I think if there's one main issue facing Asian Christians today, it's this uh, political, you know, uh, issue, particularly this problem of dictatorship. But but what do you do? You know, what do you do when thirty thousand, you know, poor people are being killed already? You know, in this so-called war on drugs. And you still remain silent, and you 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 don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I'm actually burdened. And so we we gathered a number of uh, Langham scholars and other you know theologians here Filipino, and we came up with this. We are coming up with a book called Faith and Bayan, which Bayan is the word, a cultural word for nation. And this is how do we respond as Filipino evangelical Christians to what is happening around us? Mm. And we have made this uh, each chapter of this book into a webinar. So we are now presenting. The first one was on worship and justice. So I presented that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then others would be on the topic of the war on drugs. You know, how do we respond to that and other issues? So. Mm. Again, coming back to our, our, our issue and question of being on mission, I mean, for there are some Christians who would say Christians, as you said, should never get involved in politics. And yet you and your Langham scholar friends and others are, in a sense, deliberately entering that world, not as politicians, but yeah. as biblical theologians seeking to respond to an author- authoritarian and violent uh, and almost extrajudicial kind of behavior by the government. Uh, do you see that as, as a valid expression of Christian mission in your context? Yes. I think more than ever, one of the things that I notice is that there is a growing call for justice around the world. And, and that is true in the Philippines, that some people, even those unbelievers, are finding the brand of evangelical Christianity as irrelevant, you know, because it's quiet, it's silent. But in fact, of course, when we look at the, 
the, the, the, the gospel itself, I mean, Jesus himself defined his calling uh, through Isaiah, you know, that the spirit of the Lord is now upon me, you know, to bring good news. And that's the word for gospel, isn't it? it is. To the poor. Yeah. 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 And then uh, to, to set to freedom the oppressed. And you have lots of oppression here, you know. And, and so one of the things that we are saying through this webinar and through this to our writing is that the mission is holistic and, and you deal with, with, with both the evangelism, but also with the social issues. Mm. But it's, I've, I still hear, you know, many I mean, Christians here saying, you know, our mission is just to you know, evangelize, you know. Don't, don't make any comment about that, you know, about, about injustice. Mm. That's not our, our concern, you know, and so mm. on. Yeah, so, but you're feeling that there is a need for both. Uh, and yes. it, to be involved in the, in the search for justice doesn't in any way minimize or deny the importance of evangelism and sharing the gospel and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ and bringing them yes. to relation to him. And these things have to go together. You know, one of the things that I observe here is um, some churches are trying to play neutral. So they try to be quiet and not do anything as I mentioned earlier. But by doing so, actually they're, <clears throat> they're already making a, a stand because silence is also a political mm. stand. You know? And uh, unfortunately in, in, in our silence, it's those in power who are, uh, it's actually they're, they're supported, you know, those who are in power because you're you know, the status quo. So we, we are trying to tell them that as Christians, we need to take sides, you know, mm -hmm. but we, we take the sides of truth, of course, mm -hmm. and the sides of those who are oppressed. We are to pray for our rulers and authorities, but sometimes yes. I believe we can also pray against them when we know that they are doing that which is displeasing to God and, and contrary to the kingdom of God. So prayer is, a, is, in a sense, prayer is a political action because you are appealing to an authority which is higher than the human political authority, namely to the Lord God of the universe himself. So um, coming to your writing again, if we may, what book mm -hmm. are you working on at the moment? Yes, yeah, so I... I'm trying to finish my Psalms commentary. So I wrote Psalms 1 to 73, the comments for those first half. Psalms 1 to 72, I mean. Now I'm working from Psalms 73 to 150. And, and uh -huh. your commentary on the Psalms is in a series, isn't it? The Asia Bible Commentary. So yes. what, what is going to be different about an Asian Bible commentary from one that we might pick up in a bookstore in the States or in Britain? Mm -hmm. the, the emphasis on this volume is on the contextual element, which means that we, we read the biblical text in the light of our own culture, history, and, and background, including language. And, and actually, Chris, this is for me as very empowering because you, be, I, I, you begin to believe in your own culture. And as I mentioned earlier, we have been under the Spaniards for so many years, and, and you wouldn't imagine how much destruction, you know, or uh, bad effect that has on our self uh, view. You know, we often say, you know, if it, it comes from the West, it must be good, mm -hmm. you know, but if it comes from us, 
no, we don't believe on our hmm. own. So you need, we need to build that up. And by the grace of God, uh, I, I thank the Lord for Langham because Langham, uh, one of the emphasis in Langham is to encourage really, you know, majority world scholars. And by doing that, you are actually empowering, hmm. you know, uh, the people. Hmm. Yeah, sure. So how could, how, how could we begin to reverse that? I mean, from your point of view, you've, you've lived in Britain. You've obviously visited the States often. You, you're familiar with, uh, with the West. What, what kind of message? Well, well, first of all, how do you see the church in the West? What, do you think it's in, in good shape? Or what would be your, in a sense, observer or your observations mm -hmm. of the church <clears throat> in the West as you see us? Mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, and this is based on my own limited exposure to the West, you know, three years or almost four years in England and uh, a few weeks here and there in the U.S. You know, and other parts. I think that um, in terms of spirituality, there's so much depth that the West can learn from, uh, from countries in Asia. And... Uh, because uh, unlike in the West, religion in general here is very, very much alive, you know, and uh, Christianity is growing. And in fact, what, one of the things that I, I felt when I went to England was I missed that sense of, uh, of, of longing for God, you know. So I would go to, to churches in England, but, 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 but I missed that, you know, because... Maybe this is because of our own experiences, you know, there's so much suffering, you know, so you always depend on God, you know, I think that's part of it, you know, and you realize that you're not able to do anything apart from God. But I think that's one thing that the West can learn from us, that sense of dependence, you know, that we are not in control. And the COVID has made it obvious you know, in, yeah. in our situation right now. You know, mm -hmm. that, yeah. Yes, I've always felt that uh, one of the things that we can learn in the West from the church in majority world is both what it means to suffer, because in so many ways we don't. Uh, but but now with COVID, we are, people are. Uh, but also yeah. how, to, how to rejoice in suffering, a genuine dependence on God that leads yeah. to the ability, like the psalmists, to express yes. joy and praise even in the midst of oppression, injustice and suffering. And there is something profoundly countercultural, in a sense, uh, about that, or at least unexpected about that. And yet I'm often amazed by it in, in Africa and in Asia uh, to, to see and to hear Christians living in that way. Rico, um, how can we pray for you uh, as we draw this conversation to a close? For you and your family, your work, how can we pray for you? Yes, um, because of what's happening now, you know, in the COVID situation, it's it's really really sad that mm. so much suffering and yet there's still so much of killings mm. and stealing, corruption, and that is happening right before our eyes. It's like people you know in power are taking advantage of really weak people already, and I feel like where do we go? You know, where do we go? Although, and so that's I think you know I I. I pray the lament mm. for my country, and mm. you could also pray for that uh, uh, book project for the web that we are doing in a series of faith and buy-in. 
And of course, for the protection of my family, uh, continuous health for my wife, who is always going out. She's the one who goes out all the time to do groceries. Mm. I, I try to do my work at home mm. and my two children. Thank you. Thank well, you very much, Chris. Let's just pray together then of those things. Thanks. Heavenly Father, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for Rico and their family. We uh, lay before you all that he has just said about the needs of his country, the Philippines, and especially in this coming year of the 500th anniversary. We pray, dear Lord, that you will have your hand on these people, that you will have mercy on them as that little girl prayed. We pray Mm -hmm. for all Rico's fellow Langham scholars and the many others in that country who are seeking to teach and to write and to serve you in your great mission in this world. Be with them, Lord. Protect them, strengthen them, and be with them. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Rico, thank you so much for joining us. And Pleasure. God, thank you, Chris. And God be with you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Amen. That was so powerful. I love what Rico has to teach us about rejoicing and suffering. The kind of countercultural, unexpected joy only possible through a genuine dependence on God. A big thank you to Chris and Rico for the blessing of that conversation. You can learn more about Rico and his books by visiting the resource section of Langham.org. Again, I'm Angel Torero, and thank you for joining me for On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit Langham.org to discover how they multiply and equip leaders like Rico around the world. If you enjoyed today's conversation, will you let us know by giving us a review and sharing this with a friend? And then join me for future episodes where we'll be talking to leaders in Zambia, Palestine, Kenya, Brazil, and beyond. We look forward to having you join for our next episode of On Mission with Chris Wright. In the meantime, God bless, or as they would say where I come from, que Dios te bendiga.